Hey there, I'm Donnie Spano, and I want to welcome you to Faith for Today. Now today we're looking at the blessing, and as we've been looking at the blessing, we've been seeing that it makes us fruitful, and it causes us to multiply. There's an aspect of the blessing that Jesus taught on predominantly throughout His days. He, he taught about the kingdom. He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God, and that was God being able to have His way in our life. And Jesus would teach us about the blessing. But before we go there, let's go to our predominating uh, verses, uh, our prime per, uh, verses here. And that's going to be found in uh, Galatians chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. And uh, I appreciate your faith together with me. And I'm believing together with you that God would show us wonderfully his will and way in these words and uh, we're going to go to Galatians 3 verses 8 and 9 thank you Lord apart from faith you and I can't receive anything from God and if we don't mix faith with the word it won't do anything in our life it must be activated by faith and um navigating this uh, newer Bible, newer to me Bible here. So just let me catch up with you. Verse 8, am I telling you right? We said Galatians 3 verses 8 and 9. And we see here it says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel to Abraham. So God preached the gospel to Abraham. And it tells us in this verse what this gospel was. He said, In you shall all nations be blessed. So the gospel was the blessing. It was that God would bless us and all of ours. And he continued and said in the ninth verse, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, when we talk about being blessed, many relegate it. They put it in this mind frame of things that they have. They're blessed because they have a means of transportation. They're blessed because they have a home. They're blessed because they have family and friends. And although those are fruit of the blessing, they're not the blessing. The blessing is God's empowering designation and ability over us that causes what we do and where we go to prosper. And from the very start, and again, all these, uh, the blessing, we've looked at this previously, this was at the forefront of the age that we know, because there's so much we don't. But when Adam and Eve were right here upon this earth, and they were there in the Garden of Eden, God blessed them. And he gave them the task to keep that uh, area, to dress it, to keep it, to essentially manage it and manage it well. The blessing was given to them to do that. And the same blessing is on us to do that in this earth. And we talked about previously how that the blessing God in, in Deuteronomy, he said, I give you power. He said, when you continue to succeed and you have a good house and you have things are going well with you, 
Don't forget how it came. Don't act like you have done this with your might. He said, don't forget it's I, the Lord, who have given you power to get wealth. The very reason why we would have an enriched life, and now that's not just material, that is spirit, that's soul. You know, you and I can have all the money in the bank, and we can even be born again, but what if our soul is completely, what's the right word, Lord? Devastated. And, yes, sir, being influenced by things that aren't right. We're depressed. Or, you know, there are those who, even if they're born again, and even if they had all the money in the bank and plenty of resources, that they could actually be suicidal and they can actually, you see so many people that um, I'm thinking now of celebrities that have been in these last recent years. Some you would think they could make everybody in the world laugh when they were on screen. But at, at home, in their own life, they were lost and their soul was lost. And they desperately needed something that was right there for them to grasp. They didn't have it. And yet they were enriched in other ways, but they were not living a fully enriched life or they wouldn't have taken their life. Can you see this? So you and I can be enriched where God completely, abundantly provides and you and I have fruitfulness. Now let's look at that. You can look outside and you see a good tree. How do you know the tree is healthy? How do you know that tree is working well? How do you know that the soil is good? Because you can just look at the tree and you see fruit. You don't see a bunch of dry leaves in the midst of a good season. You see fruit. You can go out there, you can pick it, you can enjoy it. This is fruitfulness. And this is what God wants for us in our spirit, in our soul. When we talk about the soul, we're talking about the, the emotional part of us. The part that touches the mind, right? Our spirit, it's who we are. We're more than just flesh. We're more than just body, bone, and flesh. That's, that's an, a realm and a way of being that's beyond what you and I can just touch physically, tangibly. That's who we are. That's who God is. He is spirit. And there are other spirits in this earth and shall be in eternity. And so the emotional, the mind, this soul, you and I can be enriched in that too. We can have a sound mind. We can have the mind of Christ. We can have the kind of mind that no matter what presses against it, it's at peace. It's at rest. Hallelujah. That's to be enriched. And that's part of the blessing the good news that God preached to Abraham. Now, one of the things that's been standing out to me when we talk about the blessing, and I just want to touch on this for a moment, is that in Deuteronomy 28, it says that blessed shall be the, the uh, fruit of your body, it says. You can look that up for yourself. Deuteronomy 28, verse 4. He said, blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Now, you are in my body. It is to be fruitful. 
part of that is, and if we were to take time and look at it, unfortunately we don't have all the time in this broadcast to go deep and in length, but you can look it up for yourself. You can look up um, Genesis in, verse, uh, in chapters 18 and chapters 21. You'll find that Abraham, who God was preaching the blessing to, and told him, listen, Abraham, I have good news for you. You and all of yours, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless all of your family. Because of you shall all nations be blessed. That's wonderful. And God is preaching that to him. He's believing that. And because he believed what God said, God said, I find him righteous because of that faith, that trust in me. And, uh, well, 20 years go by and no child like was promised. And Sarah was young and couldn't have a child and Abraham with her. And now they're getting older. And it's 20, 21, 22, 23 years and still no child, no child. What are we looking at? Today, in, in terms of today, you're looking at infertility. You're looking at fruitlessness, fruitlessness, instead of fruitfulness, which is by the blessing. They could not have a child, no matter what. And God, oh my, you find this in Genesis 18, that God presents himself to them, and Abraham at the time is 99 years old. And he finds them in the plains of Mamre. He says, there was three men coming, and Abraham quickly gets up and serves. And it was the Lord that was presenting himself to them. And after the course of serving them, really serving God, they begin, God begins ministering to him and tells him this same time next year, you're going to have a child. Sarah is going to have a child. And she starts laughing there in the tent, whether inside herself or outwardly. She finds this funny. Why? Because she's 90, 90 years old now. She couldn't have children that many years ago. Next year it's going to happen. What are we talking about? The blessing that causes fruitfulness, that causes multiplication, even in what looks to be a dead state of affairs. Looks like it's too far gone. It should have happened 30 years ago. There's no way it can happen next year. God says the blessing has made that thing fruitful. And by that one child, you find through Isaac, generation after generation after generation. And the very promise that God, through that good news he preached to Abraham when he said, look up at the stars and count if you can. This shall be the multitude of your children, of your family. Now look at that ground, and I want you to look at all that sand beneath your feet. Count if you can. This is the number of your descendants, of yours, that shall inherit this blessing that comes after you. Can you see this? This blessing causes the fruit of our body, our bodies, to be fruitful. It'll also, it's the same thing that connects with the promise of God, that He'll satisfy us with long life and show us His salvation.
where you and I can go year upon year without the pain in our body, without the discomfort, without the arthritis, without the cancer, without the high blood pressure, without the cardiovascular issues, without, without, because of the blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But there's more, and I want to go to this. So let's look together. Thank you, Father. At Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, verse 43. Thank you, Father. Matthew 5, 43. And we're going to look at a few chapters. We'll go up through 46. Thank you, Lord. Now, we, we mentioned here that God was preaching the good news to Abraham. Romans 1.16, Paul, by the Spirit of God, was saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You and I need to make a clear decision in these days and the days to come. Are we ashamed of the blessing? The blessing makes us rich and adds no sorrow with it. Are we ashamed to be rich? God's rich to all that call upon Him. Just saying that word bothers a lot of people. Just to hear them talk about God and rich in the same sentence, in the same time frame, they think this is wrong. But God said all that call upon Him, He has been rich towards them. And so my question is, whose side are you on? If God is rich towards you and towards me, do you want to agree with Him and say, okay, then I'm a rich man or woman? Or do you want to side with the world or with those who you know, sound godly, which is no more than religion and a man's tradition? Because at the end of the day, we're going to have to choose. Do I want to be right with God and what He said or what other people think? I am unashamed of the good, the gospel. I'm unashamed of the good news, of the blessing. And Jesus became the curse for that blessing in our life. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He went to such great length for me to have the blessing on my life. And so I will forever minister it to you and to all those that we come to. I will preach the blessing. I will teach the blessing. Why? Because I'm unashamed of the gospel of my Lord Jesus Christ. And He has enabled us to be blessed. Blessed. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. Blessed wherever you and I go where He has this power on us to prosper, to increase, to be the high and the lofty, that we can be in a position to bless. Hallelujah. If we're not in position, the blessed position, we're not in a position to bless others. And so Jesus here, Matthew 5, verse 43 through 46, let's read this. And here He says, you have heard that it, it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, so Jesus did not preach the law. Many said that he, as a Jewish man, 
was preaching the law. He is telling them, he said, you've heard the law. You've heard that it has been said. Why do I say this? Because there are going to be those that will tell you Jesus preached the law, that there are things that Jesus said that don't pertain to us, that they don't, it doesn't matter to us today because he was preaching to the Jews and only the Jews, so it doesn't matter, it doesn't belong to you. That is a lie. That is not the truth. And he's making that, this is so clear, read it with me. Find it for yourself, open your scriptures. He said, you've heard that it has been said. Where, where is he getting this from? The law, through the first five, the, what we know as, I believe, the Pentateuch, these first five books that were given to the Jews, to us, the church. And he said, you've heard, it, it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, so Jesus is separating. He's saying, I'm going to say something else. I'm going to teach you something else. He is ushering in new covenant. Covenant that you and I are born into in this time. If you and I make Jesus Lord of our life, we have a new covenant, a new agreement. And he says it here. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do what to them? What is a curse? The curse, that very word, if you were to take the time and research it, it, it brings out the idea to doom. Doom. Now, doom is connected entirely with death. If you doom someone, you are looking towards death for them. And it's very interesting. You find in Jesus' life, in his own hometown, we won't go there, but you find this in Luke chapter 4. You find here he is ministering in his own hometown, and they, it says he could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. So they thought of Jesus only outwardly. They thought, well, we know his family. We know he was this carpenter in our area. And he couldn't do anything there. God could not work through him there. Couldn't work through who? Through his only begotten son. In his own hometown. And he couldn't get through him to them there. And what you're seeing is the root of the curse. They so disrespected Jesus in that town. They, yes sir. This word disrespect is also the word despise, which has this root of complete ignorant. They ignored that God was on him they were ignorant of that. The scriptures talk about how there was no comeliness on Jesus. There was nothing significant about him that would separate him from other ministers, other people in the earth. You had to have knowing inside you by God to know this is the Messiah. This is the anointed one. And so they completely disrespected that ministry they completely disrespected 
Jesus, God's only begotten Son. The reason I say this is because if you were to read it for yourself and you continue on down, you'll find that not long after they get so upset because he tells them he is the Son of God. And he, in their eyes, what he's doing is making himself to be God. Because if you are the Son of God, you're in the family of God, and you are in God's place like God. And it infuriated them. So much so, they are setting him at the brow of the city, the hill, top. And they're looking to push him off. What are they looking to do? Doom him. Put him to his death. The scripture said he went right through the middle of that crowd. They call it a mob in the scriptures. Right through the middle of them. They couldn't kill him. And I believe it's because he was doing this very thing. Where they cursed him, he blessed them. Let's continue in these verses. 44, I believe. He said, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that what? That hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This will keep you and I busy in this life. If you and I are going to be like God and be godly in this world, there's so many that love this world. And if they love the world, you and I are told in 1 John not to love the world. And it it says if any is a lover of the world, they're not a lover of God. We're going to have to make a choice. So if you and I love God, we won't love the world. And for those that love the world, we're going to be very different from them. And it's going to mean they're going to love us less. And that is the definition of hate. To love less. And he continues here. He says that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. He is making a very clear distinguish and separation that you and I are called to a way of life as blessed ones, that by the blessing we are so secure. We are so fruitful that we have so much love and joy and peace and trust in God that when they curse us and when they hate us and when they persecute us and try to use us, that we bless them and we do them good and we pray for them. I have seen it. There have been times where my wife Tamara and I have been around some hard people. And I'd look and I'd, I'd get quiet and I'd pray and just talk with God about it. Why in the world are we around? And why did we go through these circumstances? Why are we in this place? And immediately the thought would come to me that we are the perfect people to pray for these. That God needed people that he could put around these hardened ones. And they wouldn't get all offended and all upset and all up in arms, but they would pray and they go, Father, I'm asking that you would send laborers to these people. You know who they'll hear from. Lord, send them to them. 
those that will influence them well. Surround them with good witnesses in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And I started realizing this is why we had been in some of the hard places because God needed someone who would bless them. He needed someone that had the blessing to bless these ones. Am I talking to some right now? I believe I am. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so often we go right to material. Yes, there's part of that. But we start in the spirit. And we need to be able to have that fruitful force and speak it into their lives and release it into their lives in the way that others cannot. We are blessing agents of the blessing God. And it starts spiritually and it affects solically and it enables us to materially bless beyond anyone else can. It's us. It's us. Thank you, Father. Go with me to uh, go to Romans 12, verse 14. Romans 12, verse 14. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that we have the blessing? And here in Romans 12, verse 14, it says, Bless them, excuse me, which persecute you, bless and curse not. Bless them which persecute you. Are Christians to experience persecution in this life? Yes, we are. In fact, the scriptures, Paul by the Spirit of God said that all that shall live godly shall suffer persecution. This word suffer is an allowance. You and I are going to have a way in which God will lead us. Think about this. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and was led to be tempted of the enemy. It was the right way to go, but it had some things to overcome in the way. And you and I, just because there's hard people right there along our path, doesn't mean it's not the path. And the path for us is not always the path of least resistance. It may be the path that is barreled up and looks like there's no way we're going to go through that thing. And God will go, yeah, that way. And you go, okay, here we go. That is, we're made to be overcomers, more than conquerors. And it's through trust in Him that we do this. And we'll be along this way where people, not even knowing who and what they're being influenced by, will be hard and harsh. And I'm not just talking about people that are not in church circles and don't profess to know Jesus. And they won't even realize that the way they said that did not help you or me. They won't even realize that the way they acted was not a help. 
and was actually a hindrance. And what is it time for you and I to do? Because that's not blessing us. If it's not a bless, what is it? See, a lot of people like this middle ground. They like to think, well, I know I didn't really bless them, but I know I didn't curse them. So I'm just right in the middle. There's no in-between in a lot of these godly things. Either it's godly or it's ungodly. Either it's a bless, a blessing, or it is a curse and a hindrance. And if I'm not blessing you, I could act like I'm not. There's the curse. And unfortunately, Satan took the blessing and twisted it at the beginning and he made it a curse and he got in people's mouths and he got them to do heinous things and got them to couple with the one who created the curse I don't want ever for you and I to be a component of the curse we are blessers we have the blessing. Now let's go in closing. I know we're we're short on time here. Father, where do you want us to go? <laughs> yes, sir. Hang with me. We're gonna go just a couple minutes over. Go with me to Mark 10. Thank you, Father. Mark 10, verse 23. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Thank you, Father. Mark 10, verse 23. If you want to see another gospel account of what we read in Matthew, you can find it in Luke 6, verses 28 through 35. Check that out when you have the time. Take the time. But now we're in Mark 10, 23 through 30. Mark 10, 23 through 30. And Jesus looked round about and said to his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. Why? Because they're rich men. Jesus says, you know, rich people, it's going to be real hard for them to get into heaven. And they're thinking, what about us? They weren't poor men. How hardly shall, and, and the disciples were astonished at his words, 24th verse. But Jesus answers again and says to them, Children, how hard is it for them that what? Trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When he says for a rich man, he's not leaving verse 24. Them that trust in riches. If I trust in the riches, I'm not trusting in God, and the kingdom is completely connected to trust in the Master. If I don't trust Him, I'm not willing and obedient to His plan, and then He has no rule and reign through me. The kingdom is entirely connected to that. And so he continued and said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, one that trusts in the riches, to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? Talking among themselves, and they're asking this question, Well, then who then can be saved? And they're looking at one another, thinking, I know you can't, because you're a rich man. I know I can't. 
who can be saved in this group? And uh, Jesus, looking upon them, says, With men it is impossible, but not with God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad about that? It's not impossible with God. For with God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, Lo, or look, we've left all and have followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say to you, There's no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive what a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. This sounds like blessed people. More than enough of every good thing, fruitful, multiplying, houses, lands, mothers, sisters, brothers, friends, many, many, not lacking any. With what? With persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. So you and I don't have to choose between the eternal life and the multiplication. The life forever with God and blessed in this time. You and I get to have both. And the same blessing that lays hold on more than enough of every good thing is the same blessing that will keep us through every persecution, through every hardened individual, through every obstruction to the fruitful, beneficial way of God. But we must stay in the blessing because we're not called. You'll find this, Jesus was with um, the two, they called them the sons of thunder. The sons of thunder. And they are going through a Samaritan town and in this town, they're telling them, no, we don't have any place for you guys. You can't stay here. Our inns are full. No, we don't have any place for your horse, your donkey. No, nothing here for you. And so the sons of thunder, they must have been reading about Elijah. They said, Jesus, you want us to cast thunder down on these guys? You want us to cast fire from heaven on them? And Jesus, in a moment's notice, told them, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. They thought this is right. They thought this is God. Jesus is saying, you have left the spirit of love. You have left God and you've left the blessing. No, that's not right. No, that's not. Say this with me. That's not our way because we are blessed. The blessing is on us. We are called to bless. We don't curse. We don't hate. We do good. We don't persecute. We pray. We don't use. Oh my. That's not our nature. That's not who we are. We're loved children of the love God. And we bless. We're called to be a blessing. Hallelujah. We pray this blesses you all. If you're not partnering now, go ahead and consider that. Ask the Lord about partnering with us. 
enabling this word to go further and reach more. We love you. We bless you. And we will see you soon. Hallelujah.